Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we're speaking with Erica Kelly. Erica grew up in New Jersey in the Northern Virginia area and graduated from George Mason University with a BS degree in criminology in 2016. Erica has had a lifelong interest in helping animals and performed an internship at the Humane Society of the United States in the Federal Affairs Department in Washington, D.C. from January to May 2016. After graduation, Erica started Operation Get Meow, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Operation Get Meow was formed to help the large feral cat population at the U.S. Naval Station at Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. Erica became interested in the Guantanamo situation because one of her parents works for the Department of Defense on a mission related to the base, and both her parents served in the U.S. Army. She's working with the base to set up a cat foster room for socialized kittens and cats, to raise money for microchips and vaccines for the feral cats, and to arrange a semi-annual flights to help residents return their pets to the U.S. at no cost versus the high cost of commercial transportation off the base. The U.S. Naval Station is fenced off from the rest of Cuba, making it an ideal location to test the effectiveness of trap-neuter-vaccinate-release, TNVR, programs. Operation Get Meow has a proposal with financial backing from the SPCA International requesting a three-year exception to the Navy's policy precluding trap-neuter release on bases asking permission to conduct multiple high-volume TNR clinics to bring the estimated 2,000 feral cat population down to a manageable number. Erica, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. So you are just jumping right into it. You know, graduating from college in 2016, and now you are just heavily deep involved in community cats. So it sounds like we've got a background here about operation and how you started Operation Get Meow. But how did you find your passion for community cats? Well, I actually originally started as a dog person. Growing up, my family had dogs. And then when I was a teenager, I wanted a kitten. So I started with that one kitten. And then over the years, we adopted some more cats, some more cats. We adopted a cat from a rescue group. Then a couple years later, they sent out a plea asking for help fostering. They had an excess of kittens that year. We started fostering a litter of six kittens and their mom cat. We liked it. We kept fostering from there. The more I got involved in fostering, the more I got involved in rescue. I started to be involved in TNR continued that heavily throughout college as I did the internship at the Humane Society of the United States and decided that this would be a really good way to help get the word out in a bigger scale than just doing adoptions one by one to try and really get at the large overpopulation problem that we have with animals. So tell me a little bit about what's the situation like for the cats at Guantanamo Bay. You, you've estimated 2,000 cats. How do you know that information? Well, I went down there in March with a team from Helping Paws Across Borders, their president, Angie Sherry, and SPCA International. Lori Califf and Meredith Diane came down. We surveyed the base. We met with the commander of the base. We looked around. The animal control 
patrol officer on the base had estimated there were 500 feral cats. Looking around, looking at the population, seeing the environment, knowing that you there are many more cats than you see, they estimated that there are probably around 2,000 there hiding around in the brush. So we met with the commander to try and tell him the problem is really on a much larger scale. The climate at Guantanamo is really unique. You have this sort of environment where you have boa constrictors and iguanas and feral cats and everyone sort of eats each other depending on who's biggest when they meet. There's really not a large lifespan for the cats outside there. In the United States, if you have a well-cared-for colony, you know, those cats can live up to, you know, 10 or more years or so I've seen with really, really good care. But the cats there only live to maybe two years old if they're lucky. There's just a lot of predators. There's not a lot of protection. Uh, when there's hurricanes and storms, it's, it's just a really harsh climate. You'd think in Cuba, it's nice. On a good day, it is. But if the cats are, you know, diving in the dumpsters, it tends to be a pretty short life where they just have kittens and then the kittens have kittens on endlessly. So what is happening there currently? It sounds like, you know, you're waiting to see if you can get approval for this program. Are people feeding these cats sort of what I call scatter feeding? What you have is there's a lot of dumpsters there. And so there's a lot of access to the dumpsters. There's a lot of these workers on base who are not necessarily with the military. And then you have a lot of people who are there for eight or nine month deployments. They're lonely. Their barracks are small. So you have people feeding sort of as they can secretly doing it underhandedly. We met with the commander. The Department of the Navy said no to him. So we've pursued it to the higher ups. We've sent our package to the Navy. I'm pretty sure that the Department of the Navy is well aware of what we're doing. I don't know if they're going to respond. That's what we're trying to do right now is get attention to get them to actually meet with us to discuss it. We sent this proposal. We are offering a basically multi-million dollar deal to fund the aggressive clinics. That would be at no cost to the taxpayer, where the current program of euthanasia costs the taxpayers money. They have a contract cat killer coming down there to shoot the cats. So we're really trying to push the Navy to see why this is a better program, get enough attention, and especially on social media, to sort of bring this up so that they'll actually listen to us. When we did the uh, big airlift recently, the Department of the Navy had to approve that special exception. So they definitely know what we're doing. I just hope that they really see that this is a better option and they'll give us a chance to talk about why we think this could be a much more effective policy. So you mentioned an airlift. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yes, there was this longtime couple, Ruby and Glenn, who had lived on the base for almost 30 years as contractors. While they were there, they'd taken care of a number of animals, both cats, wildlife, any injured pets and, and animals that needed help they were there with. When they were retiring, they had about 25 cats. Not all of them are feral. Um, some of them are feral. Some of them are more social. They sort of all ended up there as the cat dumping ground. People knew Ruby fed. Uh, the cats would all end up there. It costs about $1,000 to fly a cat back from Guantanamo unless you had them on your orders originally as a soldier. Due to that, there was no way she was going to be able to afford moving all of those cats home. We were through pilots and paws, and then another group that they work with, we were able to arrange these private pilots to come fly down to Gitmo on their small plane. We got a team of volunteers to load up all 25 cats, got them in cages, got them in carriers, made sure they're all vaccinated, spayed, neutered, microchipped, flew them from 
from Guantanamo to Florida, from Florida to South Carolina, to their new temperature-controlled, completely fenced and roofed in, excellent, beautiful barn home called the Cat Palace. Wow. And is the Cat Palace another nonprofit organization? Uh, No, that's just the term for their glorious building that they have out there. Oh, that's fantastic. Wow. That's a pretty incredible adoption story, I would say. That's for sure. It definitely was a feat and it came together in about two months of planning. So everybody thought that it would be impossible. We were told directly by a bunch of people in the Navy that there was no way we were going to be able to organize it in time. But luckily, everybody came together. The Navy was really helpful. The base was very supportive of this effort. The base commander had to petition for this special exception to get the plane to be able to land. So in about two weeks, we got this mountain of paperwork processed to be able to make that happen. And it only cost a couple thousand dollars instead of 25000 Wow. Wow. That's fantastic. If you like the Community Cats podcast and would like to help promote Community Cats in your state, then we need you. We're looking for a couple of people from each state to be Community Cats ambassadors. What do you get by being an ambassador? You'll be mailed a promo kit of items to use to help promote the show at any event that you attend in your state. If you don't attend many events, hey, that's okay too. Do you have a network of people that love community cats? You can help with emailing groups in your state to let them know about the CCP and offer them the benefit of community cat swag. The more we can spread the word about the show, the more we can do to help cats across the country. Please email Stacy, S-T-A-C-Y, at communitycatspodcast.com if you'd like to represent your state. Thank you. I want to hear from you what the Community Cats Podcast means to you. You can now leave a recorded testimonial on the Community Cats Podcast website and share your thoughts about the show. You can also ask questions, share show ideas, pretty much anything you want. Just go to www.communitycatspodcast.com and click on the testimonial link and record. You hear from me all of the time, and now I want to hear from you. Thank you. So you're talking about doing, you know, vaccination, microchipping clinics, as well as spaying and neutering. When you're talking about that feral cat population of 2000, now there's also an owned cat population that's intermingled amongst those cats, correct? Yeah, you have what cat people would know, but cat pe- the people who don't know cats don't know as much about. There's people's pet cats that wander around that are friendly. Some of them are, are outside. You can usually tell those, obviously, because they have collars and they're very friendly. Then you have the feral cats that hide, that dart, that are scared. But then you have a lot of these semi-social cats. Uh, what I think most people refer to as community cats now that are friendly with the people who feed them. They're friendly with the people who socialize with them and interact with them on a daily basis, but they don't have an official owner. There's no place, the the places where the people live that feed them, they're not allowed to have them, but sometimes they let them inside. So these are the cats that are interacting with the wildlife and interacting with the people. And at Guantanamo, you don't have another vet option. So there's no way for them to get low cost vet care. So you only have the military vet and the military vet changes every year or two. So if you have a supportive vet, there's ways that they can help out, give cheaper vaccines, try to 
to get cats fixed. If there's a vet who's not really in favor of helping, they'll just constantly euthanize. So that's why we're sort of pushing these initiatives to get these cats fixed and vaccinated. There's a huge rabies problem in Cuba. So we're trying to show that if the cats are microchipped, you'll be able to tell when they were vaccinated. You know, if you if you have a cat that bites someone, you could trap that cat. Instead of having to euthanize it, you'd be able to tell when it was vaccinated. You'd know that this population was healthier and, and had this disease prevention because there's diseases that the cats have that are transferable to humans that you could help combat. There's ringworm and there's this thing called screwworm, which is another flesh-eating parasite that can go to people. So we really want to make sure that the cat population, you know, when we do those clinics, we treat them for these things. If there are cats that are too unhealthy, we don't put them back in the population, that we really want this to be a, a gradual decline and keep the cats as healthy as we can for the, the time that they're there. But obviously the goal is to get them fixed and vaccinated so that they eventually, through attrition, go down and not just remove them and leave the vacuum effect open. Yeah. I mean, through targeted spay neuter, in my experience working in multiple communities, if you're allowed to go in there and just go and blast through basically what I would call four paws on the asphalt or anything that's four paws and not spayed or neutered on the asphalt, within three years, you're going to make a dramatic impact on the number of cats that are free roaming out there. Yep. And that's one of the things that we're, we're trying to explain to people is that it's not as if you just go out and you trap on the entire base. We would trap neighborhood to neighborhood, get every last cat in that neighborhood, and then go on to the next one. Because what they do now is they'll remove you know all the population that they can, but that leaves two to four to six kittens. And then two to three months later, you have another overpopulation. And due to the way that the neighborhoods sort of jut out on these little peninsulas, it would really be the perfect location where there are these isolated communities of cats that you could effectively get really hard. And I mean, we would be doing three to four clinics a year would be the plan of a week of trying to get as many cats as you could, a couple hundred a day. And so in that week, you'd get a massive amount. Yeah, that would be fantastic. And a lot of fun, actually, probably too. You know, you feel really satisfied getting all those cats. I think it would be a good adventure. And I think if they even let us try one clinic that they would see, we would be able to easily tell that their cat problem is far larger than they think it is. So if uh, our listeners wanted to help support this initiative, either, you know, from an advocacy side or from a financial side, what is it that we could do to help facilitate this going forward? Really promoting us on social media, sharing our page with your friends, liking our page, sharing our posts. I've got a couple cats up for adoption right now. If people are interested, we're in the Washington, D.C. area. Really trying to build sort of that outrage to get people to understand that it's that taxpayer money that's going towards not just the euthanasia, because in the um, in this article by Carol Rosenberg in the Miami Herald, we talk about how there were 186 cats euthanized. That's only at the vet clinic. So we're trying to build attention and awareness through social media to the outrage for what's happening. So we want people to build that tension and awareness amongst themselves so that the Navy will listen to us and really give us a shot at making this happen. We did just get 501c3 status. So anyone who wants to donate, the easiest way right now, we've just set up our PayPal account, but we're in the process of getting our website up. Right now, if people wanted to donate, the easiest way would be to just send a check to our PO box. It's listed on the Facebook page, but our PO box is PO box 523373, Springfield, Virginia, zip code 221. 
1-800-222-3152 and just keep giving us support on Facebook. And if anybody's interested in volunteering in some way or helping spread the message, just private message the page and let us know. Let's talk a little bit about the Department of Defense and what you at least understand is their policy for feral for TNR, because obviously there's more locations than just here. We actually, before the show started, we were talking about all around the world, really. What are your thoughts and ideas sort of around feral cat TNR policy with DOD or with just a government agency in general? Well, I think you find that if people take the time to listen to the plan about TNR or TNVR and and why it's more effective than euthanasia programs or doing nothing, I think you get a lot farther. So with DOD in general, I think there's a lot of just reaction that they got, you know, this one bird policy, like uh, there's this bird study done and they made this reaction policy uh, about 15 years ago, but it's, it's sort of outdated now. I don't think that it really works well. I know that there's a, a lot of bases that have a cat issue. We're always hearing about other bases that have cat problems. I know that over in Iraq and Afghanistan, they do TNR a lot. It helps with their rodent problem, but DOD doesn't, they turn a blind eye over there because there's not a lot going on in Italy, there are TNR programs because the government wants them to do that there. They, they outlaw the euthanasia. But I think DOD in general, just it's it's time to take a look at is that policy effective everywhere, especially if you have, you know, this no cost solution where you could really spend your time and money more effectively on other things than this anti-TNR policy that I know isn't really strictly followed because you hear all the time about people doing TNR on bases. It's just not publicized. And it really comes down to the individual commanders being supportive or not. In my experience, if you get about 10 to 15 minutes to talk to somebody in the military about it that actually listens, they end up coming around to thinking like, that sounds like a pretty good idea. It would just be good to have a final study one way or the other to see, you know, if our if our TNR plan doesn't work out and we don't reduce the population, I think that works well for DOD because then they have a policy that is sound. They can say, hey, we have this free study that we got that says TNR doesn't work and we won't do it. So they really have nothing to lose by letting us try to see if it would work at this closed off ideal TNR location. Yeah. Well, and I will send you a couple of case studies from the targeted areas that I've worked in where you've just see incredible drops in areas where we've been basically super focused and communities population of over 100,000 people. You know, we're not talking a small number of of cats. And it, it just, it really is effective. It works when it's highly managed project, which your proposal sounds like it's a very deep dive. Yeah. I mean, we we would not only be wanting to do TNR, but we would do, you know, heavy adoptions of as many cats as possible. Any of the kittens, obviously, but any socialized cats that we could remove, we would do, but only if we're allowed to do a TNR program. We've tried to explain to the base that there's only so many cats we've been able to take off now, sort of as a show of what we can do. Obviously, the 25 cat airlift was a different thing, but we've been able to fly about six other cats off, but we can't continue that without some end to the process of kittens because at Guantanamo, especially there's no end to kitten season. It's warm all year. Yeah. And the hard thing that I have found where when I'm explaining to people about sort of, you know, why do we have the feral cat colonies in the beginning, you know, as I always reference back to Adam and Eve, the fact that Adam and Eve are not 
spayed and neutered and they get let outside, they get abandoned or whatever. And that's how the whole cycle starts. So there's also, it's a very important in that environment to always have a low cost or a no cost spay neuter option for cats, for people who own cats in the area. And I have no idea how the military vet works, but yet to make sure that there's that affordable option is really critical for maintenance going forward. Well, and there's there's a certain irony with the Naval Station having a cat problem because the Navy has always been tied to cats and that's how the cats got to the base in the first place. Cats aren't native to Cuba. I don't know. I mean, there's obviously other people that would have sailed to Cuba, but when, you know, ships pulled up to that base, the base wasn't officially formed until 1910, but it was really started in 1880. So that's ba- back when you would have had, you know, cats cats on ships to catch mice. You can tell from the cats there, there's fuzzy Maine Coon mixes. There are cats that are distinctive colors that would not normally be there. So it's a, it's a Navy problem. And when you had the base evacuated in like, I think it was the uh, the 60s, you had the people were told to leave their pets behind. So you can see from the colors of the cats, how they've sort of developed where they have this distinctive brown tabby pattern that you can tell the cats are generations in, but then you have cats like the ones sitting right next to me who are clearly Lynx Point Siamese mixes with blue eyes. And how how did that cat end up in Cuba if it wasn't someone's abandoned pet? Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. In Newburyport, we had experience with the Coast Guard station. We had a feeding station there back in the 90s, and it was very successful. And we were allowed to have a feeding station there at that point in time until the mid-2000s where we were asked to move our feeding station off-site. And at that point in time, we only had a couple of cats feeding out of three feeding stations. So it really didn't matter because we had a feeding station right on the edge of the property at at a different location. But it was unfortunate because the Coast Guard facility was very supportive of our efforts at that point in time. And as you mentioned, they even had brought us a cat or two from other areas and brought them to us to help assist those cats. So it it is, it's interesting. And I, I really do hope that with your work and some of the advocacy work of others, hopefully as at any location, I think um, TNVR is very important. And Erica, I really appreciate you starting this program. It's actually, it's so fascinating and interesting that, and it looks like it'll be a great project. I know we mentioned this earlier, but I'm wondering if you might be able to share with folks how they can find you on Facebook. And is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners today? You can find us on Facebook if you just search Operation Get Meow, or our link is just facebook.com slash Operation Get Meow. Feel free to send a private message to the page. You can also send us an email at operationgetmeow at gmail.com. If you want to you know, contact, I think my phone number's on the Facebook page too. Feel free to reach out. Again, our PO box, if anyone wants to donate, we're always looking for supplies to send down to the kittens to fund their you know, vet care and food and litter and stuff. Our PO box is 523373. Springfield, Virginia, 22152. I'd just like to, you know, say thanks so much for having me on. You know, I hope everybody keeps getting their cats spayed and neutered and just help us build attention to this issue so that we can let everybody know that community cats are really a benefit. They're a good thing. They're not a pest that DOD should see. They can work with them to help manage them effectively and humanely. Yeah, I'm going to throw another suggestion out there is that folks that have newsletters or their own, as you said, share on social media, but they have newsletters or an e-news that they send out. 
I think this would be a great story to share with an organization that supports Trap New to Return. I know I'm going to share it in the networks that I participate in so that then more people can share their voices. We, A lot of us are advocates and a lot of us know our local representatives, our state senators even. And I think it's worth it to just give them a call and just, you know, say how important this is to a constituent because it may be a federal issue, but it's also it's it could be happening in our own backyard too. Yep. And we're really committed to helping the military families and their pets too. That's a large part of this is there's the human aspect. It's not just the animals. And that's one of the things SPCA International is really good about too. They have a lot of programs, Operation Baghdad Pups, uh, to help people, military family members bring their pets home and move with them and, you know, really support people to keep their pets and not abandon them and find ways to help in all different areas. Erica, I want to thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on my show. And I'd love to have you back on the show when you're up and running and you can share with us how things are going. Yeah, I would love to come back once we're doing CNR clinics and have our exception. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast talking to you. The Community Cats podcast will soon be a year old with over 200 episodes profiling amazing people who are all making a difference in the lives of community cats. If you would like to support the show but not be a sponsor, feel free to contribute to our efforts by going to www.communitycatspodcast.com and follow the donate link. Help us to continue to provide excellent programming.